And now, time to get in the huddle with your host, Charles Prodger Ritchie, here on the Mass Steel Podcast. Hey, you blink, I'll cut your eyelids off. Don't you blink. Let's go. You get where you feel like you can rush the quarterback. You understand? Rush the quarterback. Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. And good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition here of the Mass Steel Podcast. Well, of course, yours truly, Charles Aparaj Richie. Got another good one here on store right now, getting ready to follow back up, like I mentioned a few days ago. Uh, getting ready to go over some position rankings by not only ESPN, but the Athletic here momentarily. Uh, plus, Ed Bouchette also uh, has got a good feeling about this year's secondary uh, going into this season. Really doing some uh, caliber things and a special group that has really started to come into its own for the first in a long time. And we got a whiff of that last year with Joe Hay and Mika Fitzpatrick being elected to the Pro Bowl last year and something that has not been done in 23 years at that point. How significant is that? You'll find out in just a little bit. If you guys ever want to follow the show, uh, you can follow the Mass Steel Podcast on Twitter at Mass Steel CGR, on Instagram at Mass Steel, Steel Nation. Then you can also follow me primarily at Prodigy Richie as uh, we're getting ready to get into a lot uh, going on right now. Plus, also uh, here are my uh, takes right now uh, as everything as we get a little bit more closer uh, to the season right now. Uh, it is August the 12th, a very special hump day, and usually it is uh, Ben's day around this time where the practice reports come about, but as everyone is aware he is definitely on the pitch count with that throwing elbow. Find out how much everybody is starting to get on the same page. There was a press conference earlier on earlier today uh, with uh, James Carr and the press. And so far they seem to be uh, doing real good right now. And going into this season, coming in at all time high, definitely helps when you do have your uh, quarterback out there throwing. I mean, like, uh, Last week, I mean, just seeing him being out there throwing with football with some teammates and the excitement is up. And usually if you guys ever want to call into the Mass Steel Podcast show, it is 312-209-2232. Again, that number is 312-209-2232. And let's go ahead and get into it right now as we look at a lot of stuff here. I mean, uh, for right now, uh, going into today, as uh, we uh, look at it, and let's check it out. And I I mentioned the ESPN team-by-team position uh, rankings right now. And, I mean, this is uh, definitely very interesting right here. And it's only been three uh, units that the Steelers have cracked the top ten. It was all on defense. I mean, not really much of a surprise with the offense as it has struggled last year. I mean, I definitely can understand. I mean, the offense it was definitely one of the worst we've seen in a long time. But, I mean, at the same time, too, I mean, you do see a little bit of a spike and some promise in there, hopefully with more uh, special teams returns. And I was calling in on uh, 
in the locker room with Tunch Wolf this past Monday. And aside from Chase Claypool, who's definitely looking to be like one of the key pieces, aside from uh, newly acquired tight end to Eric Ebron, looking to go on the other side of Vance McDonald. How much more will we be able to see more of a two tight end set this year? That's a lot of uh, spark and excitement in the air, but I got to tell you right now, I mean, don't forget, Deontay Johnson, he snapped a five-year drought when the Steelers did not have a special teams return for a touchdown on punt. I mean, last time there was a special teams return for a touchdown was back in 2017. It was the final game of the year where everybody was pretty much rested when there was a, a game of no significance being played, except that the Steelers beat the winless Browns, which they did become at the end of that game. They became the second team within the last uh, nearly 10 years at that point to, to lose all 16 games in that era. And that, that was it right there. That was uh, by Juju Smith-Schuster. I forget how long it was, uh, but we'll uh, get into that in just a second. But I got to believe stuff like that is definitely got to be uh, one of the highlights for this year. Like I said, don't forget, Deontay Johnson, he is a second-team all pro, and I really want to see uh, how much he's going to be having going into this year. And I, I really feel right now with the measurements of this team and what they're trying to do right now, I mean, it is definitely really special. I, I, and that's one of the things, too. I mean, I, I talked about last year how when you want to like make put a stamp on defense, you want to start creating a lot of takeaways for scores which I really do feel like they did, They definitely did check, I mean, last year. I mean, when we look at this uh, defense, I mean, we look at the overall uh, scoring uh, summary on here. I mean, when we uh, think about things here, they had two fumble return for t- returns for touchdowns and one pick six, with, of course, one being by uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, I mean, that year where he ran uh, nearly the length of the field, and that was against the Indianapolis Colts uh, back in November. So you see a lot of promise right there, but like like I said, it's also, too, when you get those special teams right there and you get those for touchdowns, I definitely believe that is one thing you want to really put quick strikes in when you're going up against teams where you really want to show off uh, your command of the game, not just your flow, but your dominating, your, your uh, stamp right there, I mean, so to speak. And, and I gotta believe right here, that's uh, one thing, I mean, it was a sight for sore eyes and see how that continues. Because honestly, I would like to see Deontay Johnson a little bit more on special teams. I'm not sure if I'm ready to put my rookie in there, uh, Chase Claypool, just yet. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he definitely sounds like a guy right here who could definitely be one of the steals of this draft when we look at it. I mean, pretty much about the same size as Martavis Bryant. Maybe... Just as good as Martavis, maybe on a level of Plasco Burrs, only time will tell. So, I mean, you got a lot of, like, a good pressure on, like, amongst these guys right here, including, like, Juju Smith-Schuster, along with James Carr. Like I said, the main two guys who are definitely uh, on the radar as far as going in with a lot to prove in this last year when you're trying to earn your stay for a long period of time. I mean, those are the things we need to uh, pay attention to right here and how we continue to get to that next level and how much of a difference will it be with Ben Brosser being on that field? I mean, how much more? Because I definitely do got to believe that Ben Brosser, if he can handle himself careful, he 
by the way, I definitely do believe this guy could be a top 10 quarterback. I, I realize given the extent of the elbow injury, it's not the easiest thing to come back from. But, I mean, you also got to look at, too, like Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning, and I'm not comparing Ben Rosper to Peyton Manning. Don't get me wrong. But still, when you still got the weapons around you, I mean, you're just missing that guy to help guide the ship. Remember, Peyton Manning, when he came to Denver, when you had guys on there, too, I mean, when you look at, I mean, like uh, Decker and some other guys, Demarius Thomas, I mean, those guys then start becoming like a playmaking receivers until he came to that team. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, you, you look at that Broncos uh, team right there, went to two Super Bowls. The first one, dude, uh, Peyton Manning, who had the bell neck injury on every performance, got back his uh, single-season touchdown uh, record there. But, I mean, you look at, like, uh, what they did, like, say, like, the year before, uh, they came and like what they were able to do, and I'm talking about the Broncos' uh, wide receiving uh, unit here. I mean, you had nobody. You had Eric Decker with 612 touchdowns, and Demarius Thomas second on that list with 551 yards, and Eric Decker being the lead, the leading one with eight, and then uh, Thomas with four. Of course, Tim Tebow ran a lot too. I mean, he wasn't really much as a throwing mechanic type quarterback that a lot of people really got to warm up to embrace. And, but he still did enough, I mean, just to like uh, not cost him games. I mean, say we will and make fun of this guy as you want. I mean, where he was too much of a good two shows or whatever. But still, this was a guy right here at the end of the day before Peyton came to town who realized he had all the supporting cast around him. He did not do anything to cost his team games, and he, he rolled with it. He, he knew his role. He knew what he had to do. He knew what he could do with his size. And I, I just feel like the Broncos right there, I mean, they definitely had a quarterback right there who was going to definitely raise a lot of eyebrows. It was going to be fun. You knew when he was going to be quarterbacking and going on that wave that they're going to do something pretty special. So you look back at year number two when Peyton Manning is there. I mean, let's take a look at the difference right there. Now you got uh, Demarius Thomas. You got him at 1,434 yards, I mean, in that, in, that, in that year. And like I said, you look back like the year before where he had 551 he had about over 900 more yards practically the next season. And then you look at a guy like Eric Decker, who was like your uh, leading re reception yards leader, I think the year before in that. And we uh, take a look at it right there. Eric Decker, he adds like about almost like another 400 more yards on his uh, career right there. And there you have it. So... I mean, it just goes to show you right there. I'm not saying Ben is Peyton Manning, but again, goes to continue to remind people how much of a difference that quarterback could really make as far as like being the guiding force and people you can rally around. Someone you know that is going to put you in good situations. I mean, granted, I mean, Ben is not always the most stable of guys with taking care of the ball. Uh, I mean, like protecting the ball from being turned over. I, I realize that. 
But at the end of the day, one thing you cannot deny with Ben Rosberger, he is still a guy who likes to go in there, play motivated. I mean, he'll lay it all on the line. And sometimes I see a lot of Brett Favre in him, the way he plays the game, where he tends to put, he tends to carry the load on it. And when we try and see what is happening here, I mean, those are the things to always pay attention to. Again, for those of you uh, tuning in right now, uh, again, if you guys want to follow me on social media, I can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at Project Richie for the Man of Steel podcast. On Twitter, it is at Man of Steel CGR, at Man of Steel Nation on Instagram. As uh, we continue to move along here uh, right now, uh, we're getting ready to go into the ESPN NFL team-by-team position rankings. This was done by Mike Clay on last Friday. So let's go ahead and uh, start with the bad news right now as we look at it. And let's uh, take a look at some of these rankings right now. So here's where the Steelers, let's go where they stand at overall right now. As, as far as with the Steelers and their each uh, ranking, position rank. Quarterback. You got them at 11th. Running back at 31st. Wide receiver at 14th. Tight end at 17th. Offensive line still not too shabby, just like the quarterback, 11th. So those are pretty fair uh, stances. I'm sure they got to be basing a lot what happened the previous season. Of course, coupled with the fact with Ben's elbow injury, no doubt about it. Would not be surprised there. Defensive tackle, which is second, very good. Edge rusher, fifth. I think that should be a little bit higher, but fifth, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad. Sounds about right right there. Linebackers, 15th which I disagree with. I, I definitely feel like that should be at least within top 10. I think that was uh, too low, to be honest with you. I think they should have been a lot higher than that. Corner and safety. You got corner at 7th and uh, safety at 11th. And I can understand the safety a little bit. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick having to be that much of a difference maker. You I mean, you saw what he was able to do right here and how he did. I mean, not destroying Joe Hayes, we, as I mentioned earlier on, according to Ed Bouchette, who noted that this was the first time since 1996 when Rob Woodson, and then, of course, uh, when you also had on there, uh, two, uh, aside from him, I mean, uh, uh, Cornell Lake, Cornell Lake, both made the Pro Bowl in the 96 season. But, I mean, aside from that, too, I mean, also from that 70s uh, Steel Curtain uh, defense, too, when we uh, look at it. I mean, in 1976, don't forget the Steelers did have uh, four people, which is, I think, arguably the most they ever had in their franchise history. You had two corners on there with uh, Mel Blunt, JT Thomas. Don't forget, Mel Blunt was the 1975 Defensive Player of the Year not too long ago from that. Then, of course, you had JT uh, Thomas and safeties. Mike Wagner and Glenn Edwards. And I mean, and you saw like right there too. I mean, that was like one of the things special about that defensive unit. I mean, the way they were creating turnovers too, aside from like uh, getting pressure on the quarterback and like their team sacks. But I mean, that was definitely one of the things they were special in right there. Because if you think about it too, I mean, as good as a guy like Mel Blunt was, he frustrated everybody else in the league, more particularly Don Shula where they wanted to try and, like, uh, slow down the way corners were dominating receivers at the line of scrimmage. 
And you, you think about those areas right there, and we try and look at it. I mean, that was no doubt a special group. Uh, Donnie Shell, I don't think he was on the Pro Bowl that year, but it just goes to show you, I mean, that was an all-in effort right there. I mean, of course, when they were at their lowest, I think they went like 1-4 and four at one point during the regular season, and they did like an, an insane and human possible where they won out the rest of their season to go to 10-4. and four. I mean, that was a team uh, right there. I mean, when you look at a lot of grit, everything they went through, I mean, for, for them, I mean, just coming up just shy of the Super Bowl that year, I mean, nearly uh, three-peating possibly, but they got banged up in the end. And that was a team right there who kind of like uh, just, just ran out of gas. I mean, I think just overall, I mean, injuries did mount up on that on that year, I mean, when you had your running game, I mean, not so much defense, but still, I definitely feel like the way they had to work so hard for every little uh, victory right there, and the way they dominated, I mean, kind of reminds you of, like, what happened last year where they just endurance kicked in, and that probably explains why they lost by 17 points in the AFC Championship game against John Mann and the Raiders, which they finally got back got back to the Super Bowl, and this time did not come runner-up. I mean, that year, they only had one loss that year. And they were without the services of Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer in that AFC Championship game. So you just start to wonder, I mean, how much more these guys are willing to uh, take right now, I mean, with a sledgehammer going into this year. And like just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in 2002, Pound that rock right now because this is the time right now where you got a team where you got like really capitalize on this. Now let's get to the offense. The offense, uh, let's go by like uh, one by one. So like I said, in case anyone uh, tuning in, the top three that the Steelers uh, positions they were in, it was defense tackle, which was second. Then he had a corner at uh, seventh. And then edge rusher at fifth. So defense tackle second, edge rusher fifth, and corners seventh. Those are the three uh, position uh, rankings that they cracked the top ten in, according to Mike Clay. And let's take a look at some of the other teams like around the league. Let's go back into the quarterback position and see where everything stands out. I mean, no doubt about it, he's going he's gonna to give it to the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Uh, as the best. And you have in uh, four different types of categories at the end of these rankings as far as the best, shakiest, on the rise and unit to watch. And for going into this year, they had the Chiefs, no doubt about the cream of the crop right there, deservedly so with uh, Patrick Mahomes and those Kansas City Chiefs, especially missing those uh, two, three games that he had when he injured his knee on Thursday night. So, I mean, he got them and just to do what they did I mean, the playoff comebacks and the Super Bowl, three straight games of double-digit deficits that they had to overcome. They had to find a way to get out of. I mean, that, that was just insane. It was superhuman right there. Say what you will about Kyle Shanahan electing not to run the ball in that game. But at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes was still able to gunsling it throughout despite making some costly turnovers right there. And uh, with the help of the defense getting in there, they're able to take advantage of their window and capitalize 
and make them pay. And they had about, I think, 21 points scored in those uh, final less than 10 minutes of that game. It just made a comeback for the ages, if you ask me. And just uh, see how special they continue to be. But uh, for there, too, we also got, like, as far as, like, the shakiest unit, uh, he uh, feels like right now that belongs to the Chicago Bears. When you look at guys like Mitch Trubisky and, of course, Nick Foles, I mean, it's going to still be a little iffy and interesting right now if uh, Trubisky is going to be the one starting the season. Do they go with a Nick Foles to start off the season? They pull the, the rug under Trubisky's feet and make him sit out. I mean, that, that's going to be a real interesting call. I would imagine they would probably, like, give Trubisky, let him start. I mean, of course, when when you couple them with the fact you're not going to have a uh, preseason, I think you have to take a look. But at the same time, too, you don't want to frustrate your fan base either at the same time and, like, uh, really put yourself in a position where it's going to be no return. And you got to make something quick. And I don't think you want to, like, take a chance I'm losing the feel of that locker room. And that's one thing that definitely concerns me if I'm a Bears fan, Bears player. I mean, you want to, like, figure it out right now. No second guessing. I mean, the only team that was special enough to get away with that, of course, was Bill Walsh on the 49ers. We had two quarterbacks right around the time, too, when Joe Montana was having his back injuries. I mean, brought in Steve Young as a security blanket, I mean, just in case. But still, I mean, Steve Young, who definitely wanted to start what – Neither quarterback was a fan of like being on the sidelines, but definitely both very competitive. But they never let it get in the way of like supporting one another to win games. I mean, that season right there, you have back and forth where it was uh, Montana, like uh, starting off his regular season, but then later on, Bill Walsh decided to give Steve Young a try, probably trying to rest Montana, protect him, or just see what he could do. But I mean, until finally late in the season, his team rallied around Montana, just kind of confirmed them about what he was doing. So you, you wonder if that's going to be a situation right now with the Bears. I mean, is that going to be something where we're going to see where they be uh, constantly tripping up over themselves? And then you just and you're kind of like looking at your coach. I mean, Matt Nagy. I mean, is he going to be the guy? Like right now, is going to be uh, losing the trust and everything that's established as far as the culture of that team. So we'll take a look at that. Also too, as far as like on the rise and the watch, he's got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course with TB12, Tom Brady, uh, pairing up with Bruce Arians. We'll really get to find out like really, I mean like uh, this season, I'm not sure about this season, maybe in a season or two, only time will tell, but who is definitely the greatest one? I mean, Brady or Belichick in that regard. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the one to watch, Denver Broncos right there. So we'll definitely uh, take a look at that as uh, we go into it and get a little bit more further. Now, as far as the running game, uh, and in case everyone was wondering where the Steelers uh, fell at, it's there. I'm sure your guess is as good as mine. I mean, not really uh, too promising. You got the Browns uh, number one in that area. And by the way, for the quarterbacks, in case everyone was wondering, for the Ravens, Bungles, I mean, the Bengals and Browns, excuse me, uh, you got the Ravens right now at uh, fourth, and then we got the Browns right now at 19th, and then the Bengals uh, going into this year, they got them at 25th. So let's uh, continue to look, like I said, 
let's go to the ground game right now. Uh, for the running game, uh, the Steelers right now, as I uh, mentioned, the Steelers were uh, 31st in that category where we got the Browns at the top of that, cream of the crop. I mean, definitely the best unit. The shakiest one is definitely going to be the one with Chicago Bears uh, once again. I mean, you're just not really too sure about like uh, what they're going to be doing uh, with Tariq Cohen and everyone else. See how that works out. The team that's on the rise, got the Kansas City Chiefs, despite their guy uh, pulling out this season. And then you also got the Washington football team on there. So I think those are definitely some interesting ones right there. And I got to believe, too, I mean, the Washington team, I think that's a very interesting one. I think, if anything, I think uh, definitely Coach Ron Rivera, where he's good, I think he's always found a way to have a, a decent uh, run game, whether it's with his quarterback or weapons uh, surrounding the team. I mean, definitely going to be having his uh, first year with that uh, franchise right there. Definitely making some positive strides right there. I got to believe definitely one of the influences who helped get the name changed, aside from them losing money. I mean, you saw, I mean, how much, like, uh, dignity and pride. And I tell you what, this uh, Washington team ends up having to have a, a good year. Watch out for Rob Rivera possibly being a coach of the year candidate, in my opinion. I could definitely see that happening. I mean, they got a long ways to go, but at the same time, too, the NFC East, I can see that being a wide-open division for this year as we uh, take a look at things for stuff that's going to be under the scope, end quote. And uh, let's see what happens in those regards. Now let's go over to the wide receiver. Once again, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers in this group. They are... 14th in that category, which is not too bad. I mean, as everyone thought, maybe. I mean, yeah, he did struggle. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I was definitely like a show of himself, obviously, for the last few years that he had when he had Antonio Brown alongside alongside him. But then again, with ben, a healthy Ben Rosberger, too. So I got to believe this is going to be a year. I expect uh, Schuster to really have a comeback year, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if he snaps up. We could probably see him in the neighborhood between 800 to upper 900, close to 1,000 yards receiving. Because I really believe he could definitely become that. But, I mean, again, too, when you look at the weapons, too, around them, and you got, like, the tight ends right now, let's see how Eric Ebron does alongside Vance McDowell right there. I mean, this has been a long time where the Steelers have been having to really try and figure out and fill the voids of a guy like uh, Heath Miller, who retired at the end of the 2015 season. I mean, this guy right here, I mean, I think they definitely tried struggling over the years where you had guys like Darius Green, Jesse James. I think Vance McDowell is about a solid one. There's a lot of times where he hasn't just been able to be available for a lot of games, unfortunately. I mean, he's still definitely one of those cool uh, team support of guys at the end of the day that you like to have on your team and so on. Uh, you could rarely whiff. I mean, he's definitely a guy's guy on that team. But, I mean, the question is, I mean, what's what's going to really be that kind of help take some of the pressure off those receivers? Because if anything, tight ends are just as important as your wide receivers. Definitely help ease the pressure off to help uh, get some tight yards right there and help open things up in the playbook and the offense. 
you always want to have like some sort of establishment right there aside from running game I mean at the end of the day too just like running backs because that could help you block so I gotta definitely believe the tight ends uh, we're gonna see them on the rise because right now according to Mike Clay of ESPN uh, for the tight end positions I mean with that and, and by the way, in case everyone was wondering who was number one in the wide receiver, before we go any further, he got the Dallas Cowboys as the best group. The shakiest one would be the Washington NFL team. On the rise, he got the Arizona Cardinals right there. I can understand that with DeAndre uh, Hopkins being on there this year, no longer being with the Texans. And then the team to watch would be the New England Patriots, which I would definitely have to say that's an interesting one, especially... Now you got your guy, uh, Tom Brady, going over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of people really point to the fact how Brady struggled, I mean, with the lack of weapons he had throughout most of that season. I mean, they were just pretty much known for a great defense, especially when you got a guy like Stephon Gilmore being your defensive player of the year that year. And right there, I, I got to say, the Patriots... I mean, a lot of their guys opting out, that's going to be an interesting one right now. And I definitely do feel like, because I was hearing this on uh, first take yesterday, who's got a lot more pressure in their first year uh, between Cam Newton and Tom Brady? There are some people that are pointing to uh, Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. I'd still have to go with Cam Newton. You got one year prove it deal pretty much right now. I mean, we had to sign a cheap deal. I mean, who knows? I mean, we'll... I'm sure he's gonna, he'll be able to make the preseason. I'm not anticipating paying this guy to be cut. But this is still a guy who's a legitimate former NFL MVP, number one overall pick. And could still be dynamic. He's just definitely been hurt a lot last year. He has been consistent with completing a lot, like 60% of his uh, passes on a consistent basis. I mean, when we look at things over here and what this guy has been trying to bring to the table. So, moving along, looking at the tight end uh, group right now, we got the Philadelphia Eagles as the best group, shakiest being the Washington NFL team. On the rise, they got the Browns, and it's you have to watch the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That, I, I definitely feel like it, it could be interesting right there, too. And I, I wonder, I mean, when you look at a former Steeler, too, like Le'Veon Bell, I mean, how much he's uh, going to be feeling pumped up right there. Second go around with that team right there. I mean, trying to prove something with them and uh, trying to get something established real special. We already know what kind of defense. I mean, when we uh, look at it right there, I mean, Adam Gase has. And he's brought over to, the, to Jersey. But, I mean, how much more we're going to see with that offense being on the rise. I mean, how much they could light up. How much do they really put like uh, put some quick strikes into their opponents? I mean, if anything, I mean when we look at it, like as a Steeler fan last year, that was definitely one of those unforgivable games. You did not want to lose. I mean, late in that season, mainly because of the defensive team, and then but you also had your uh, quarterback in there too, who did not do very well. I mean, by the way, and when we uh, take a look at. I mean, right there. I mean, when you had uh, Sam, uh, for Sam Darnold right there. Sam Darnold, who really did a legitimate job, I think, uh, last year. I mean, when we look at it, 
and uh, playing that team. I mean, he still threw for 3,024 yards. Still had an ugly season some ways. I mean, touchdown interception ratio still needs to be approved. 19 uh, touchdowns and 13 picks. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you look at, like, what he had to do, I think in that contest, I mean, that day, I mean, that Week 16 uh, matchup and what they were trying to figure out for that team right there. Definitely do feel like right now, I mean, this is a guy right here who's had a lot of stuff riding on him overall. And in that Week 16 uh, matchup, he was still able to do enough with a touchdown, 183 yards, and a 96 QB rating, basically. So that was pretty good. But it was definitely the defense where they got their tails whipped around. I mean, let's not kid ourselves in that regard. So let's continue to look at some more uh, stuff right now here. Also, too, let's get back into it. Let's move along. Offensive line unit right now. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in that regard. Now, this is the interesting thing right now. Uh, because when we looked at the AFC North offensive rankings, Steelers are number one in their division. But they are 11th overall in the league. And I can, I can definitely see that right there, especially when you got going into your second year with Sean Surratt right now. And then you also got Matt Canada right there. Who Matt Canada, who I think is definitely going to be an interesting uh, assistant coach for this team. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff he can help implement into the game plan as far as like the offense. As far as just being a quarterback coach. Because I definitely do feel like Randy Feekner had a lot to uh, joggle with right there. And that's going to really be a big test to uh, Feekner, I think, this year. Uh, seeing how he could do it. Because remember, he had to do two straight years, I think, practically of no quarterback coach. I mean, I mean, he took on a double role right there. With him being able to concentrate on that offense and have a little bit of help from Canada, how much, I mean, will we see improvement in that offense, especially with them right there and everything else? I mean, don't forget, too, you also got Ike Hillier right here, too. I mean, who's going to be a real interesting one, a receivers coach right here, who's definitely a veteran presence. Been to the Super Bowl with the New York uh, Giants back in this playoff career. So you look at all those intangibles right there as far as like varying experience. Because I definitely do feel like a year ago, one of the key coaches the Steelers brought in was Terrell Austin Sr. right there. And to me, in my opinion, aside from getting Nika Fitzpatrick, I mean, this was a guy right here who definitely had a good emphasis on helping the Steelers creating turnovers, creating takeaways for scores. I mean, those are stuff not to be overlooked right there. And I feel right there he did enough with that team to really uh, get some things turned around, turn some uh, heads and raise some eyebrows that year. I mean, despite their season being doomed without their quarterback, you can still go back to the old days, having a good defense, having you uh, carry the load right here. Just unfortunate. We just saw how they started the collapse down the stretch in those instances. So we'll definitely uh, find out more as time will tell in uh, that regard, I mean, for right now. Also, uh, and we already know about the defensive tackles right there. I mean, just again, I mean, leading the league in sacks, I mean, last year. I mean, when you look at everything with this uh, defensive unit, I mean... When we take a look at it, 
a team who's had 54 sacks in that year and what they're able to do. And the question would be, too, will they be able to finally get four straight years of sacks of 50 or more? And I think they definitely got a real good solid chance of that. Granted, everyone is able to stay healthy, but still, I mean, the only ones who came close to them was really like the Panthers, who just missed it by uh, one sack shy of them. And that's uh, where we stand at with that. And everyone is aware about the edge rushers, the edge rushers for the Steelers. They are ranked fourth, I mean, fifth in that one. And then the linebackers, I definitely feel like about a lot better uh, ranking. Uh, not really too pleased with this one. 15th. Cornerbacks, you got them at 7th. And then last but not least, safeties at 11th. Now let's get ready to take a look at Ed Bouchette, uh, like he was saying too. Remember how he was saying that you haven't had a pair of a corner and safety goal to Pro Bowl since 1996. I mean, aside from Mika Fitzpatrick, Joel Hayden doing it this past year. And don't forget, too, that Steelers team, I mean, in that 2008 Super Bowl uh, year, I mean, which, by the way, had a phenomenal year in their own right, definitely put a stamp as far as one of the great defenses of all time. I mean, in that year, when we look at it. And uh, one of the biggest things on there, too, I mean, when we looked at it, the team in uh, that season had about 20 interceptions with Troy Palomalo leading the way as a non-defense back at strong safety had seven picks in that year. I mean, the only other guys that came close in was Tyrone Carter with three, Bryant McFadden with two, Deshaun Thompson with one, and James Harrison, Ryan Clark, Lamar Woodley, Ike Taylor, Lawrence Timmons, William Gay, each with one apiece in that one. I mean, and I think he wanted to say too, I mean, that they had like 17, I mean, had like 13 all together as a secondary unit. But, I mean, can this team right now be Super Bowl uh, caliber? I definitely think so. I mean, they're definitely one of the only three teams who has not opted out of the season. So the Steelers right now, I mean, despite everything that's going on with the sickness or all the craziness that's been going on, they, like the NFL, has been trying to maintain their focus and uh, not make any kind of, like, uh, excuses for why they're going to come up short. They mean business. They are businessmen this year. You got to believe and definitely are going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. And we'll see how it all translates. I mean, like, deep in this. Because I got to believe, I think right now it's no excuse to at least, like, have no higher than a 11, possibly even 12-win season. They could be this good. As long as they find a way to just still mentally not make mistakes, that's going to cost them in games. And that's how I feel about that. That's going to do it for this edition here of the Man of Steel podcast. I want to thank those of you for uh, joining on real quick here. I got 
Aiden uh, Aiden Nareen. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Thank you very much for joining. Sorry I could not bring you on. I was just a little thrown off uh, prepping with my show. You can always leave a comment next time. Uh, maybe some other time if you guys ever want to do like uh, like interactions on camera with questions. We'll do that another time. I was just a little bit less prepared. I apologize for that. But again, if you guys want to catch me here on the Metal Steel Podcast, it is Mondays and Wednesdays, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we uh, definitely be talking uh, stuff, all Steelers in the offseason right now, as we also march a lot more closer to the start of the regular season. For Charles Proud, Richie, the Metal Steel Podcast, once again, you can follow me on social media, primarily on Twitter and Instagram, at Proud Richie. For the Metal Steel Podcast on Twitter, it is at Metal Steel CGR, and on Instagram, at Metal Steel Nation. As always, leave you. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. I gone. <laughs>